Who likes to get disciplined? Let's just start off the sermon with a good no, right? Self-discipline is better, yeah. You, at the time, discipline doesn't seem fun, right? <laughs> but it, it, it's necessary. We know that. And as we venture on, guys, into a, a new journey uh, as far as teaching as a, as a family, we're going to talk about um, wholeness. And we're going to get into that word and talk about what God says about it and what it really means. And, uh, but we're going to go into some areas that are going to be uncomfortable for you. I, uh, I know that will happen, and I, uh, it's not a, a, an intentional thing to make you uncomfortable, but as a coach, part of my role as pastor is coach, and what do coaches like to do? They like to make you uncomfortable so that you can perform better, right? So if you're in practice and anyone been in a, a, a what's it called, hell week in football, where it's, you know, like right in August, 100 degrees, and you're out there running and people are passing out or... You're running line drills. Anyone play basketball and know what a line drill is? Anyone know what a line drill is? Okay. And so that, that's, you know, the torment. And there's a lot of things that come in discipline. Our parents discipline us. And it's not always the, you know, the fun parts. But I want to get your mindset. And today we're going to work on your uh, mindset shift. Because a lot of us are stuck in ruts in our thinking. <laughs> a lot of us are stuck in the way we think. And you know, remember when Jesus said you have to be like a child to enter the kingdom? And, and really there's a whole principle in that teaching there that, that uh, we could get into, but we're not today. But that principle of becoming childlike is so important because when you get older, it's tougher to change that the way you think. It's, it's tougher to believe for things. It's, and the, some little kids, you remember your kids when they're little and you tell them something and they're just, eyes are all wide open and they're believing every word you say. And can you imagine that openness of heart, <clears throat> that openness of spirit to receive in truth from the Father and then go for it? Are, are you with me? Because there's a, there's a flow chart there where it's the, the, the dad or the mom speaks into the child's eyes and their ears and it, and it goes in and there's hardly any filters. There's hardly anything blocking it. There's hardly anything coming up and there, there's no past hurts most of the time, except maybe a spanking or two when they're little, but there's no past hurts where they hear what you say and then they filter it through, well, I did this and I got hurt once and so-and-so said something about me. Are you with me? There's none of that in a child's heart. And so that child readily receives the spoken word of the father or the mother and receives it into their heart quickly and fully. And so I want you to get that mindset in your heart as we venture into a new topic or area, which is going <clears> to, <throat> this topic is really going to go deep. And the reason I'm, I'm, one of the reasons I'm preaching on this, A, God said to B, um, this teaching and stuff that I've received over the years has changed my perspective on how I view God. It's changed the way I look at God, the way I look at ministry, the way I look at um, um, God working in people's lives and healing and freedom. So I want you to know exactly um, what I'm thinking and where my head's at and how I'm interpreting the word because I think that's important as a body is that you understand where your pastor's coming from. And so, but there's a few things I need to make sure <laughs> that you are, oh, I'm going to time myself today. Let's do that. Just for fun. 
It won't beep, it'll, it'll vibrate on my wrist, so if you see me go, oh, it's going to be my watch. Um, I need you to go on a journey with me to set up yourself for success for the next few weeks, okay? Are, are you with me on that? So, uh, so you got to look to your neighbor and say, um, you know, okay, get a promise, you know, don't get mad, right? So I'm going to, I might say things that you disagree with. I'm sure that's already happened, but I'm going to say things that may not be in line with what you've heard before, okay? I may, I may say some things that are going to <coughs> challenge your current circumstance, your current lifestyle, and that may frustrate you, may anger you, may upset you, but what I'm hoping that you turn that into is the energy to change and to conform to not what Doug says, but what God says. And so my prayer right now, and I'm going to pray it speaking with eyes open, is I pray in the name of Jesus that you hear the words that are coming out my mouth, and that the Holy Spirit keeps the words that he wants you to hear all the way to your ears, into your brain, and into your heart. And that on the journey there, that no dark forces try and twist or deflect the words that God wants you to hear today and going forward. Amen? amen. All those in agreement, amen? So, amen. no deflectors, okay? We have guardian angels at the door. We saw them. We prayed for them today. All right. So, I want to talk about wholeness, and I want to talk about, um, about God's will for your life and what that means. And if you have notes today... I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question, and here it is. Are you living, this is in your notes, are you living the abundant life? Have you ever heard that in church? You know, it, well, Jesus said it, so yeah, you probably heard it. The abundant life. God's come to give you life and to give that life more abundantly, right? <laughs> we learn it in Sunday school, we've heard it in church. But I'm just simply asking you today, if you step out and look at your life, and, and, if, and, if, and if you are, that's awesome, and uh, if you're not, that's okay too, and that's why we're teaching on this, because... Wow, I know that guy. I want you to think about that question of abundant life, not just living life, but more abundantly. And, and you don't have to raise your hands, but think and, and answer that question in your mind right now. Like, no, you know, the, I don't know. What, well, first of all, you ask the question, what, what, is, what does really abundant mean, right? And the, the, the scriptures say in John 10.10, 10, it's interesting that it comes first with this. The thief comes, the enemy, the devil. That's a real kingdom. There's real demons and devils walking around trying to wreak havoc and take out the kingdom right of God. But greater is he that's in you and me than he that's in the world. So there's no reason to fear. But, but the truth is of the matter that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then I, Jesus speaking, I came that they, you and me, may have life. And that life in the Greek means life, physical life, and your spiritual life, your complete life, all that entails you. That life, and have that life more abundantly. <laughs> so I've always struggled growing up because I grew up in church. 
I grew up in a church that didn't believe in the, the Holy Spirit baptism and the power of that. So uh, they were a good church, evangelical. We preached Jesus. I got good stuff out of there. But I never, I would read the scriptures and I would think, I would sure like some of that in my life. Or that's cool that that's a story 2,000 years ago. But what about today? What about my life? Because as I read the Bible more and more, I began to see little hints that the things that happened in there should be sprinkled and happening in my life. <clears throat> and so if Jesus is telling me, hey, the enemy is going to come and he's going to steal, think about all the stuff in your life that the enemy is trying to steal your joy, uh, trying steal, stealing marriages, stealing your finances, stealing every aspect of your life, the enemy's trying to steal. He's trying to steal your inheritance from God. Your inheritance is Christ. Your inheritance is the hope of glory in you, Jesus Christ living in you, and all that that pertains to, he's trying to steal that from you. His first primary role is to steal from you the relationship with God. The reconciliation of you coming back to the Father, he's trying to steal that. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to kill everything in you emotionally. He's trying to kill your emotions. He's trying to kill you physically. <clears throat> Did I tell you the story that, where I, that came? I don't know if I told you the story about a, a guy that was, uh, got a call as pastor years ago, um, completely demonized with a gun, um, eyes rolled back, the demon was speaking through him, they, I got the call, come over. I'm like, Maybe not. No, <laughs> I did go over. I don't know why. They told me after, like, why did you go over when he had a gun? Why didn't you call the police? I don't know. I should have. I totally should have called the police. But I went over. <clears throat> and anyway, we um, luckily, and I had a couple other elders came over. Were you there? You weren't there at that one? Um, I had a couple others. It was Don Pinnell. Remember Don? Don Pinnell was one of them. And so somehow we got the gun out of his hand, which I, I would never do that again. Don't recommend that. Um, and then we're, we're wrestling this guy. Like, he's, and he's got a wife and two kids, and we're, we're like, this thing is like full-on demonic. We're like, whoa. And so, you know, and I'm getting, I'm getting swung at, and, and I had, I think, I don't know what I had. I'm probably shorts and a T-shirt, right? Well, this guy rips my whole shirt off, trying to, and, and then this is the crazy part. He starts... Um, uh, saying really evil things about me, like, you're, it was funny kind of stuff, but like, oh, who do you think you are, Bible boy? Was, Bible boy. Bible boy. Like, I was like, I kind of like that, where you know, make a t-shirt, you know. And, and it was weird, but, it, but he was saying it very, his eyes, bloodshot eyes, eyes rolled back, and, and it wasn't this guy. I knew the guy very well, and it, this was not the guy. Um, but he was totally speaking in a, a total different voice. And, and so we're trying, we're rebuking, we're taking authority, and, but he's, you know, trying to take us, we're trying to just get him on, okay, you know, trying to figure, this is hard work, right? <clears throat> so, um, and you know what's crazy is, is he tried, he starts spitting at me with the most amazing accuracy ever. <laughs> I'm serious, I'm not making this up. He would, probably from me to Gary, he would, like this, and I'm like, and I'm trying to dodge this thing, and I was getting hit in the face, and... <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is nuts. Well, the whole night went down. We finally calmed him down. He, this guy actually ended up getting full deliverance. Not that night, but that began a process. Um, and as I was driving home, well, okay, so I left out one part. During the, this fight, 
um, the, the, the spirit that was in him was talking, and he, and he says, I'm going to get, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going after him, I'm going to get Jordan. I'm going to kill him. And Jordan's my middle son. And what's interesting about why he picked him was that my daughter was younger, and my older son was older and had a little better self-esteem, but Jordan was kind of in a, a, a I don't know, I think he was just in a state of, of weakness and insecurity at that time. He was little, but he was going through some problems physically, and and, and when he said that, it just really shot to my heart and the bones of my body. And I was like, wait, how, what, what, how does, I, you know, and I just, it really, so we did our thing. And then as I'm driving home, I, I asked the Holy Spirit and I said, what's up with this, man? You know, this, you know, want to kill Jordan? And the Holy Spirit is so funny. He's like, well, yeah, what does the Bible say? The Bible says the enemy wants to kill you. And he says, he wants to kill you too, Doug. And your, and your wife and your other kids and your family. And, and, I, and just the, the, the realization of what kind of fight I'm in became so very real that the enemy comes to kill and to steal and to take away from you and to leave you bare. And I thought, wow, but you've got to know that, that, that's a truth. And I say that only to say that the, the second sentence of John 10.10 10 is the best. However, but, he is coming to do this. However, Jesus came to give you life, spiritually, physical life, and all that that entails emotionally, relationally, financially, all parts of every part of your life. He came to give that more abundantly. So let's take a quick look at what that word means. Uh, Parasos, the Greek word, means this. It means an abundance or excess all around first. So, but if you think of what that means, so imagine a circle and that's your life, okay? And imagine another circle outside that circle, which is an excess of the complete whole life that you have. So you have your life, and then you have a huge circle around it, which is excess all around, okay? That's what this word is talking about. It's so much more in every aspect of what you have, in every angle that you could look. So instead of a pie chart where you have a circle of your life, and he just gives you a little dot extra out here, no, it's all around ex excess. Are you with me? So that's a lot. And so if you look at this word even deeper, it talks about... Um, about it being beyond what is anticipated or exceeding your expectations. So read that verse again. I came that they might have life and have it beyond what they anticipate. Or I came in to give them life and to exceed their expectations all around. Wow. So this just, see, and what I want you to get from this, one of the things I want you to get, the Holy Spirit will probably tell you other things that are way better than what I'm going to say, but one thing I want you to get is that this, what, what Christ has is more than just saving you from hell. What Christ offers to you is more than just a home in heaven. Although we're all thankful for that, we're all looking forward to that, that is not the complete package that Christ died for you to, to do. Because that's a portion of what it is, but it's the completion or the equation or the outworking of who he is, not just what he does. So Christ comes to give you life, and that life more full, right? An excess fullness. 
But it's just not one part of that. So I want you to start thinking differently about <clears throat> what Jesus did was a complete work. It wasn't just to save you from your past or your sins and to give you a home in heaven. It, it is all that, but it's all more. He is about the word that we're talking about, wholeness. He's about bringing to you and completing you in every area. So really, Jesus is saying, I've come to give you life and to show you and help you come into the fullness that I've intended for your life to be in every area. Spiritually, totally. Emotional health. How you view people. Relational health. Financial health. All those things, God wants wholeness. So I want us to get off of our one-track mind that traditionally the church has taught, and we just we focus on quit being bad, be good, and let's wait and hold on, and we'll make it to heaven, and let's wait for that rapture. <laughs> right? A lot of people are like, oh, I just got to, you know, there were songs, hymns that talked about, oh, if I can just make it to the shores and just barely make it to heaven, I'm just going to be so thankful. God is, that's not the abundant life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of hymns where we could go over that blow your mind. Really poor theology. But the word here, abundantly, I want you to get that in your heart. And I want you to ask yourself that question this week. Lord, am I living the abundant life? And if you don't feel that way, I want you to ask God, why? God, where am I not living in abundance? Where do I see lack? And where I see lack, that should alert you to go, hey, I'm going to concentrate some prayer time in my life on this area that seems to be not abundant and see what's going on. Because usually in the equation, if you can get in alignment with God, you can start living in a more abundant way in whatever area he says, because that's what his word says. So <clears throat> I want you to raise your expectation level in your notes. Expectation. Raise your expectations. So many of us have such low expectations on God, I want you to raise your expectation because God wants you to raise. In fact, God said, I, you can't even please me. I, really, God said, I don't even want to be around you if, first of all, you don't believe that I exist, and secondly, you don't believe that I'm a rewarder. Think about that. <clears throat> to please God, or in Doug's version, if you want me to hang out around you, God's saying, but if you want to hang out with me, you got to believe that I exist and that you have to believe. Like there's a million other things God could have said that are important about this, but he says rewarding. I just love that about God. That's good news for you and me. We have a father who says he wants to hang out with us and love on us and know us. And all we got to do is believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So I want you to raise your expectations <clears throat> that God has good things for you in your life. That God has a good plan for you. Does that mean you won't have trials? Of course not. Does that mean you're not going to have bumps in the road? Of course not. You're going to have those things, but your perspective of them is going to be different. And we'll get into talking about suffering and all that stuff and where the categories are and where they fit. Because there's suffering for the gospel's sake. And there's suffering because you did something dumb. Or there's suffering from disobedience to the word. Okay, so there's different categories, and we'll, we'll iron all that out, and that will help you make more sense of, of things in that aspect. But I want you today, today's point is to get you prepared to go on a new journey with Christ, 
to go, hey, look, God, you said I can have an abundant life. What does that really look like? And if I'm not walking in, how do I get there? The first thing you need to do is raise your expectation level because a lot of us <clears throat> lower our expectation as we get older. We get hurt. We go through divorce. We, get, we have struggles in relationships. And pretty soon, we find ourselves going through the motions, trying to go to church, doing all this church Christianity stuff, just trying to make sure we don't go to hell. That is not the way to live, church. And it's, and it's true. As you get older, you're more and more risk of getting stuck in a rut and thinking that, that, that okay, you keep lowering and lowering your expectations, and pretty much you're not expecting anything. And then what happens? And take this with a grain of salt because this is going to hurt someone's feelings. I know it. We find ourselves totally reliant and our expectations are all being met by the world system. And I'm going to say something because I am not against medicines at all. I've taken medicine. I'm not doing this. But do you realize that in the last 18 years, we have gone up 85% in prescription drug use? I went from like a, a billion to like 4 billion pills distributed. There's been more deaths from wrong usage of the pills every year. <clears throat> and I say that as one small area in this, but if you keep lowering your expectations of what God's going to do in your life, you get to the point where you start relying on yourself more. And you start relying on what you can control and do, and you're, you don't live the way God's wanting you to live, and you get more and more reliant on the world system of doing things. I, I know that's tough. Hey, I, we all struggle with separating ourselves from the world system. We are living in the world, but the Bible clearly says we are not of this world. We are not of this world in, in the sense that this is not our home because God's going to give us a brand new home. But also, we're not part of this world system in the way that they think, the way they process things. We should be processing life and information and trials and all that stuff differently than the world. So raise your expectation level. Think more. And don't feel guilty because a lot of people struggle <coughs> with thinking because of life experience or, or many other things. They think that God, it's hard for them to really think, God wants more for me? You know, because we get this mentality in church that, oh no, God, I've got to be suffering for Jesus. And so they misunderstand and misrepresent suffering. And they say, oh, I just, it's okay. I, you know, I just, bar I just need just barely enough to get by. Just give me a piece of bread. Just give me a glass of water. You know, are, you, are you with me? And I'm, I'm being you know, silly, but people get down there to that level where they are, are, are not expecting God to do anything. So if, do you know expectancy is part of faith? If you're not expecting something, you're not walking in faith. If you're not walking in faith, you are very, very volatile to be in unbelief and doubt. Think about that. Okay, let's move on. So, <clears throat> next part I want to go into as we raise our expectation is I want to talk about the, the next part in your notes. It says, don't let them keep you from all God has for you. So I want you to think about that. And we're going to read the scripture and that will make a little more sense. But write that in there. Don't let them keep you from all God has for you. And I want you to turn to Mark 7. And this is an interesting little scripture portion about 
the Pharisees. The Pharisees, the religious sect of religious people that had so many rules they couldn't even remember them all. They had to start writing books about them so they keep track of all of them. <clears throat> and they had so many rules that they were, they were getting so flooded with rules that weren't from God, but they wrote rules in so that they could get around God's word and make their lives more comfortable. Okay, so check this out in Mark 7, or start in verse 5. <clears throat> and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Jesus, what do your uh, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders? You might want to underline that because that's a good thing to think about. What are the traditions of the elders? Because we're going to deal with some of the traditions you and me have in our own life that are keeping us from the fullness of God. So the traditions of elders, but eat with defiled hands. Mm, bad stuff. And he said to them, Jesus said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, the, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of man. So a lot in there, right? A lot said in there. But basically, they're giving lip service, you know. They're saying what everyone wants to hear. Anyone have any kids tell you what you know they want you to hear, but you know their hearts aren't with you? I know, you kids are like, not me. No, my kids do that all the time. In fact, even in our five years of marriage with my kids, we've encountered that a lot. Hey, hey, you know, I, I really need you to start cleaning your room. Okay, your room's a mess. I can't open the door. Um, it's disgusting, and it kind of smells. So what we're going to do, you need to start cleaning your room. Yeah, I, I know. I will, I will. No, no, you haven't been. You told me this before. I'm going to, I'm going to change. I really want it. And they clean, my daughter yeah, cleans it up. Yeah, pretty nice. Next day, boom. I know, I know she had good intentions, but she was giving me lip service. Yeah, dad, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, uh-huh. I've even offered her rewards. Like, I remember telling my wife so many times, man, if they would just understand that if they would just do these little things that I ask them, I, as a father, would be so much more willing to just give them stuff. Like, not even the right way. Like, you know, when you're supposed to do a work and you get reward, here's your reward. No, if you would just listen and, like, clean your room and do little things like that, I'd be like, hey, want some money? Here's, here's my car. Go drive it. Go do whatever. You know, I'd just be like, awesome. I wonder if God's looking at us like, guy, if you just listen to what I'm saying... He'd just be like a father. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 look at him. Oh, yeah. If there's something about your kid when they start walking in obedience and quit giving you lip service and actually have the heart in it. That, but that's a different sermon. So let's pick it up in verse 8 or verse 9. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Yikes. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and whoever reviles father or mother, must surely die. That's the Old Testament uh, law. And, but you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. Thus, underline verse 13, thus making void the word of God by your traditions or by the way you think, or by the rules you set up that aren't God's, or by the way you've interpreted what was said, that you have handed down, 
And many such things you do. So they were not only doing this one example Christ was talking about, but they did this in every different multiple ways. <clears throat> and the point I want you to get from this is that sometimes our traditions that were handed down to us and taught to us can keep you from walking and experiencing all that God has for you. You're, the way you've learned things from parents or whatever, there's many types of roadblocks traditions that can keep you from walking in the fullness that God has for you. And I want to address some of those roadblocks because we need to remove them, okay? If you want to go where the road ends or goes to, you got to remove the roadblocks and go. Typically, roadblocks are put in there because they're working on something and you don't want to drive in a hole. But in this case, we put the roadblocks up so we think there's something wrong with that road. We think there's something wrong, but actually the road's wide and clear and smooth and great and really where God wants us all to go. But because of our own roadblocks, we put them in our mind and so we see a way to go that God tells us to and then roadblocks come down and, oh, oh, there's a roadblock. Oh, that's probably a bad road to go down. I better go down this road because there's no roadblocks here. Are you, are you hearing me? So ourself, we put our own roadblocks in our way thinking that that's smart and wise and we're being biblical and all that good stuff. But really what we've done is through traditions, the Bible says, through traditions, we've made God's word of zero effect. Wow. So what do we need to do? We need to realize if the road in our, our hearts, if there's a roadblock, is this truly, let's take this roadblock off. Wait a minute. There's no construction going on there. It's a beautiful paved road. Why am I going this way? Because the enemy doesn't want you to go that way. He wants you to go this way. He wants to push you over here. He wants you to think this way so you don't walk in the abundant life that God has for you. Are you with me? Okay, so that's important that you see those roadblocks. So let's look at a couple of those roadblocks so that you can identify them in your life. I've probably had all these roadblocks in my life, so I'm sure you'll relate to some of them. So the first roadblock, number one, <laughs> is just plain old poor teaching. Poor teaching. Poor Lousy, good for nothing. Bless you. Bless you again. Bless you thrice. No, okay. So poor teaching. So this poor teaching could come from pastors. They're not perfect at all. So you've got to always take what the pastor says and go, let's see if that lines up with the scriptures. <laughs> oh, okay, that one does. You're good. You're off the hook. I'm telling you, be like the Bereans were. The Bereans did that. Paul came and said, da, 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 da. Paul was preaching pure gospel goodness. And they said, well, I don't know, Paul. Let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got that one, right? Good job. You know, hey, I'm telling you, that's the heart you have to have because why? You don't want to have a roadblock on a road that you're supposed to be on. And I'm telling you today that there's a road you're supposed to be on and some of you aren't on it. And I want you on the road because that's good for you. And it's going to be abundant. But it's going, to take, it's going to be at a price, though. It doesn't come free, right? You're going to have to do a sacrifice. You're going to have to exhibit some of the Spirit of God in you and have some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? What's some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Fruit of the Holy Spirit. I know you got this. Give me love. I put her on the spot. She's like, man, I know all these until you just... <laughs> Trust and obey. Yeah, that's peace, goodness. Peace, goodness. Long What's the two-word one? Long-suffering. Long-suffering. That's what self-control. Self -control. Self -control. Yeah. 
So a lot of those fruit will help you get on that. So poor teaching, guys, can be a roadblock to where God wants you to go. And through traditions, so what happened is the rabbis and the priests would come up with an idea because something was uncomfortable and they didn't want to do it. And so they found a way to come up with a rule or law that was kind of good on one way, but then would make that rule non-effective so they could get around it. So traditionally speaking, when you grew up in church, when your parents taught you things that were incorrect, but you took them in as truth, that can be a roadblock because then you think you're all of a sudden trying to believe for something about what God has for you. And then you think, well, no, that's not right. God, uh, let's, let's just get right down to it and, and make you all mad. Uh, God, God gave me the sickness. And, and, and I put that because it's a big one in the church, healing. And we're going to get more into it, so don't worry. We're going to have fun with it. Stick with it. Don't get upset, but take the whole thing in. Don't just take a nugget and leave and get mad. Listen to the whole thing. We'll get into it. But I want to tell you, remember when Job got stricken? Who, who struck him? Satan. Satan. Yeah, Satan did. So sickness, disease, clearly in the Bible, is sourced in hell. Okay? So poor teaching would come when, it, when a pastor maybe doesn't understand it, or your parents, or a friend, or a leader, you know, a, 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 a coffee partner you're talking to, they don't totally get it, or they had a bad experience, and they go through something that's bad, so it didn't line up with what they wanted. And so instead of aligning their life up with what God's word says, they said, well, this is my experience, so this must be truth. So therefore, I'm going to go with me and my truth and forget what God's truth is and say, okay, here's truth now. So, okay, this must be God's will for me. Thus, they go down the road over here instead of the road here that has the roadblocks because the roadblocks come in. Poor teaching. I could walk down here which God could have some good stuff, but now I'm going to walk here because I think that it's God's will for me to go to <laughs> she, she got it. She's like, your Fitbit's buzzing. <laughs> it's, my, it's God's will. I want to go here because this is comfortable, what I know, but God's will's here, but I have roadblocks in there, and it's poor teaching, and it's not true, and I have been lazy, so I haven't gone back to the Word to make sure what I'm believing here is really what God's Word says. A lot of us think we know what God's word says. I don't know how many times I've talked to different people who start quoting a scripture and it's totally off. And I'm the type of person, as you can imagine, that says, is that what it says? Let's go look at that. And so not, I don't want to show them up. I want to help them. I want, truth sets you free, church. If you know truth, you start getting more and more free. You expose the lies you get free from that lie and you start believing God's truth and you get more and more freedom and you start walking down the right road. Another roadblock, number two, can be your current situation or experiences. So a roadblock <coughs> can be your actual what you're going through, okay? Uh, you all know I'm divorced. I was married for 18 years and it blew up. So from that experience... That could be a roadblock for me if I'm not careful. Because I can think, well, I'm perfect. <laughs> Thus, then I start making laws and rules based off the thing, the, the, the concept that I did everything exactly right, right? I was the perfect one, right? 
And so I can start making off rules that help me get around that whole situation, which will lead me down a road I don't want to go down. Because I've got to accept responsibility for where I'm wrong, okay? Uh, a, a pastor said, when you're dealing with God in a lot of areas, and healing's one of them, when you're looking at the equation, if you're looking at an equal sign, and God's on one side and your healing's on one side, always look on your side of the equation. Because it's on your side. God's perfect. God's not screwing up. So he's got his end of the equation all set and good. You just need to align yourself with the, right side, with the equation to get an equal sign. We'll talk more about that later. But the current situation or experience in your life can deter you from seeing what God has for you. Or you can get a tradition or a thought pattern started that will keep you from experiencing the power of God's word. Like uh, something in your life. Or a past church hurt, failure. A, a, there are so many wounded Christians. There's probably a lot in this room that have been hurt and wounded by a past, hopefully not current, if you've been hurt by me, please seriously come talk to me. Let's, well, I want to work that out. But been hurt in the past. I have been. There's been hurts in the past from churches that will, if you allow that to fester and you don't reconcile that, that will take you down the wrong road and you'll miss the abundant life. Are you with me? Yeah, okay. And then relationships. Current relationship problems, experiences that you've had in the past with relationships can blind you and your mind will naturally start developing traditions, ways around doing what God said to make it more comfortable for you. Because a lot of people want to read God's word and pick and choose what they'll conform to and like. And then the, the parts they don't like, they're going to just say, oh, that's not for today. Oh, that was for the early church. Oh, that was the Old Testament only. Oh, that was this. And so you find out all these things. So you're just making your life, you're saying God's word conform to me the way I want to live my life because I want to be comfortable, okay? Instead of going, no, God, your word's perfect. Let's change my side of the equation and I'm going to start obeying your word even if I don't get it, understand it, but I know your word's true so I can trust you. So don't let a, um, your current situation or experiences mess you up and keep you from the abundant life and keep you pressing towards wholeness, okay? Number three, um, similar past failures and hurts. I just put failures mainly because a lot of times when we mess up and we blow it and we sin, we start developing a system of thinking towards God and that can steal away our joy because we're not uh, fully giving that to the Lord. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. So our past failures, if we don't deal with those rights, uh, with those rightly, we can miss the abundant life that God has for us. Because remember, the enemy will take each one of these roadblocks and twist them and use them to get you less of what God has for you. Are you with me? Yeah. Two main things the devil does. One, wants to keep you from saving knowledge and, and confession. So he doesn't want you saved. Because when you're born, you're born in the kingdom of hell. I know that's a bummer, but we're all born into sin. Okay? And so the devil's first job is to keep you from coming to the knowledge and confess Christ and believe there. Once you've done that, that's a done deal. He can't mess with that anymore. So now he's got to go to two, which is to keep you from, from experiencing all that God has for you in your life now and eternal. He wants to keep you from wholeness. He wants to keep you everything away from the abundant life that God's given you in every area. Remember, exceedingly all areas of your life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, from being full and, and healthy and whole doesn't mean perfect. It means whole. So uh, every area can keep you from that. 
So past failures, the misuse. Some people have hurts and, uh, from the misuse of gifts uh, in the body of Christ from past churches that will keep them. For example, uh, speaking in tongues. You went to a church where it was misused or misappropriated or done weird, and then you, okay, that must not be for today, and then you get it out of your life, and then you miss out on the gifts of God, the fullness of God. Or maybe uh, you know, broken relationships, mistakes, or past sin. You've sinned in the past. You, you're embarrassed to talk about it, and, but you've never dealt with that and really put that under the blood, so that haunts you, keeps coming back keeps you depressed, keeps you down, will keep you from going the right road because that you have a roadblock and it says, pass sin, and you're like, yeah, man, I blew it. And so you go down this road right where the devil wants you. Instead of going, wait a minute, I'm free from this sin. The Bible says he's buried it in the deepest parts of the sea as far as east is from the west. He's cleansed me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Get out of here. I'm going down the way that God tells me. Even though it's tough, I'm going to go because I know it's good and full. So that's uh, number three, four is uh, fear. Fear, and I want to talk about the aspect of this, because fear can keep you, obviously, from the abundant life. So fear, um, and I want you to notate next to the word fear, I want you to put in quotes, this won't be popular, okay? Not the fear, but the concept. So this won't be popular. <coughs> Whenever you want to walk towards fear, Walk in faith towards God's fullness and wholeness and his abundant life, you will not be popular. Ten out of the twelve spies came back from going in and, and, and spying out the land, the promised land, the abundant life, the thing that God gave Israel and said, this land is yours, it's flowing with milk and honey, it's yours, go take it, I've already given it to you, go, it's yours. So they went out, they spied the land of this abundant life that was there waiting for them to take possession of, and 10 people out of 12 came back with a bad, evil report. It was a true report there was truth in it, but it was still evil. They came back and they were scared. They had fear about the giants, that they were too powerful for them. And so they, in their mind, said, you know what? I know God gave us an abundant life. I know it's out there, but you know what? There's big giants in that land, and they're going to kill us. Roadblock number four. So now... There's fear. Now we're scared to go take the land because of these giants. We've got our eyes off of God's word and onto our own self. And now we've got a roadblock. And it says, instead of going to the promised land, the roadblock was there, right? Fear. Where did they go? Back to the desert. Let's go wander for 40 years. And I know in our Christian lives, we do that. Some of you in this room are maybe in that right now where you feel like, man, one of these roadblocks stopped me 10 years ago, and ever since then I haven't been seeking God that way, and now I have been kind of feel like I've been wandering. Well, today you can end the wandering. That's the good news, because back when they rebelled, all the, 40, all the people that said no, they had to wait 40 years, and they all died. None of them got to go in. Thank God we have Christ that says, hey, confess your sin. Come to me, I'm willing, and I'm going to get you right back on track, and then we're going to set you in that right land. Are you with me? That's good news. Amen to that. And then the last one is uh, unbelief and doubt. <coughs> unbelief and doubt. Jesus 
couldn't do any miracles in his hometown. And it says he couldn't do many. So he did do a few, but he couldn't do much because of unbelief. Now, I want you to listen back, because this, this unbelief and doubt roadblock ties into the promise and story, too. So in Hebrews 3, 7, just listen to this passage. They're referring back to the promised land scenario in the Old Testament in Hebrews 7, or 3, 7. And it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, back in the, in the Old Testament, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So it was rebellious. <laughs> it was rebellious not to believe God's word, what he said you could have. If God says you can have something, you, the expectation from the Father is that you go take it. And when you don't do that, for whatever reason you want to throw out there, that's called rebellion. Yikes. Why should God force us to take something that's good? If you give something good to your kids, you think they would run after it. Well, they don't always. All right. So do not harden your hearts in the rebellion in the day of the trial of the wilderness. Verse 9. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation said, they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They will not walk in that abundant life that was waiting for them. So verse 12, he goes on to say, Beware, brethren, lest there be any. So now he's, he's talking about the children of Israel and what happened. Now he's relating it to current time at that time, the people that the Hebrews was written to. He says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart. Wow, that's pretty strong. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're saying, the word says here that it's an evil heart of unbelief, and that, is, that departs from the living God when you don't obey what God's told you to do. You rebel. God says, I've given you land. Here it is. Go take it. They said, ah, we're scared. We're not going to do it. We're going to go our own way. Hebrews says, that is evil, it's unbelief, and in that you depart from God's will for your life. So I want you to think about this today, church, that not pursuing what Jesus promised you in the abundant life, right? I want you to check your heart because you might be allowing an evil, unbelieving, doubt-filled heart to take over because what you see is too scary to go get. Or you don't want to do the work to do it. Or you don't want to put in the effort to go, I'm, I might need to make some changes in my life. I might need to be self-disciplined. I might need to give up this. I might need to go do something with God and get right with him. Are you with me? I know that's tough, but I want you to think about what Hebrews is saying. Brethren, and I could read this to you, church. Listen to this. I could read this scripture, which I am reading to you today, and it is applicable right now. This is not... This Hebrews uh, book is not written just for that audience only. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and use, useful. So when God is speaking here to this group of people, he is speaking to you and me right now. You are responsible to hear this word and make a choice and follow God. I know that's tough. 
But are you with me? Are you seeing what this scripture says? When you read this Bible, you've got to read this as God is speaking to you. Every promise, every command, everything in this word is helpful for you, useful for you, valuable to you, and you have to take this as God speaking to you. Even though in here it's speaking to a people group, God's word says that, hey, this is everlasting word of God. It's speaking right to you. Don't ever forget that. And in fact, if you want to walk in wholeness in your life, you've got to start reading your Bible as though it's God himself speaking directly to your hearts. Verse 12. Brethren, beware, lest any of you have an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. But instead of doing that, exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginnings of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Guys, not believing God's word and acting on it is sin. Are you with me? Not believing God's word is sin. And you can't, in, in life, you can't believe, you, you, if you believe God's word, you, the, the next sequential act is to act on it. Because faith without works is dead. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we need to look at God's word and say, man, not believing in your word, God, and acting on it is sin in my life. And we need to be confronted with that and say, God, I'm sorry. I need to look at your word as more holy. And when you tell me to do something, it's not an optional thing for me to do. Guys, why does God want you, besides him just loving you, why does he want you to live an abundant life? What do you think is primary purpose in telling us that he's come to give us life and that life more exceedingly above what we anticipated or thought in every area? Thank you. There's, there's some other reasons, but that's what I was thinking. Being an example, God wants you and me to be a light on a hill. He wants you and me to carry the torch, and the, the idea is that everyone else is in darkness and can't find their way, and they see Gary over on the top of the piano with a torch. And because of that light, that light, which is living by God's word, I'm drawn to the light. Because then I can have clarity and see and I, I won't feel lost anymore and there's all kinds of good stuff that happens with that. But we are to be a good example. And so God says, look, I've given you this abundant life. I want you to live in the fullness. I want you to become whole and complete in me so that you guys will draw other people to your life. Your life is a testimony. As an evangelist, you are all evangelists. And the way you live and the way you look at the scriptures and the way you live your life is de it will depend on who comes to you and sees Jesus in you. And I don't know about you, but I want more Jesus to be shining out of me so that when people look at my life, no matter from what perspective, at church, at home on Saturday, eating chocolate ice cream, no matter where they cut my life, they're going to see Jesus. It just reminds me of the word integrity. Do you know the word integrity comes from a baker's term? And it talks about um, a loaf of bread. And if a bread has integrity, it means no matter where you slice the bread, 
it's consistent without the whole loaf. And so no matter where people slice and look into your life, here, there, down here, no matter where they look, they get Jesus. They get the same thing. They don't see Jesus just on Sundays. If they look at your life and just see, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, woo-hoo-hoo, and then they see you on Wednesdays, yay, screw you. Hey, that happens. Christians do it. They do worse than this. They do wicked, evil things. I'm telling you, God wants us to be consistent. No matter where we're sliced, people see Jesus. God's word is the final authority. The final authority. And we are going to end there. We'll pick up on your notes next week on that. But I think that's where the Holy Spirit wants that to settle in and sink in. Um, let's pray. Um, I want to... I want God to just spend a few minutes. We're still before noon. Um, I want God to work on your hearts for roadblocks. Um, I, want, I want you guys to examine your hearts. So Gary's just going to lightly play on the keys. We're not going to take a long time, so don't, don't worry about that. Lunch, lunch will be there some, at some point. I want you to think about if there's any roadblocks in your life that are keeping you not seeing the right road you should be headed towards on God. And maybe you've taken some side routes and sidetracks that are not getting anywhere. But if you want to live in that abundant life and you want to go after it, because there's one thing to want. I, yeah, I want the abundant life. We all do. Are you willing to tear down the roadblocks and start walking down that road no matter what in faith? Then that's what God's calling and asking today. So let's pray. Father God, we, we love you this morning. We thank you so much, God, for your grace. We, we thank you so much for your uh, willingness to uh, walk alongside us and teach us and show us things that we don't think or see. Uh, so God, we thank you for your powerful word that is sharper than any two-edged sword and able to divide between the soul and the spirit, between our, our mind, our will and emotions and our spirit being. You divide down to the nitty gritty, God, and you show us truth. And Lord, we ask right now as we just, all of us are sitting here with our hearts wide open to you because uh, we want what you want, God. So we're asking, Holy Spirit, would you show us any roadblocks that we've kept in our hearts or, or that we maybe haven't recognized that we have? Um, Lord, if we're walking down the wrong street, we want to be on the right street. And so God, would you show us any roadblocks from our past that have maybe led us astray in uh, poor teaching or situations in our life or experiences that we've had or past failures, maybe some just plain old fear has kept us from uh, seeking you at a straight road, God. And maybe we have struggled with believing. And that's a lot of us, Lord. A lot of us just sometimes struggle with just belief and unbelief just sometimes looks so easier to go with because at the the moment, it seems easier, but we know that's not right. So God, would you convict our hearts, Holy Spirit, to remove any roadblocks that may be hindering us from walking in the abundant life that you have for us? Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm just going to be quiet for a few moments, and I just want you to close your eyes and just ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to see right now.
with everyone still eyes closed, head bowed, and just listening to the Holy Spirit. If there's anyone here today that would say, Pastor Doug, I feel like there's a roadblock, but I don't feel like I'm right with Jesus, really. I've, I've known him before, and I felt like I've had a commitment to him before, but I don't feel as today as though I'm in a right relationship with him. I don't feel connected to him, and, and I want to be connected to him. I, I want to remove that initial roadblock, and I want to I recommit my life to Christ. Um, I want to live that abundant life, but I, I don't feel connected to Jesus. I, I know about him, but I don't really feel like I'm part of his family. I don't feel like I'm connected to him. And if that's you this morning, and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning, um, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to make you do anything, but I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I, I'm, I, want, to, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus this morning. I want to get reconnected with him. I want to start um, expecting more out of my Christian life. I want to start seeing more in my life. That's you. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, yeah, that's me. I want, to, I, want to just, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. And maybe it's the first time. Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. And today, maybe today would be your first time that you would say, oh, Jesus, I remove the roadblock of unbelief, and I, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross, that you uh, went down and took care of sin for me, and you rose up from the dead in victory, and you give me that option to have new, eternal life forever and ever. And uh, if that's you this morning, would you raise your hand up? I want to give that opportunity. Anybody here today that say, yep, that's me, Pastor Doug. I want, I want to be connected with Jesus. I see your hand, yep. Anyone else? Anyone else want to say, yep, that's me, Pastor. I want to reconnect with Christ. Oh, Father, you saw the hands that were raised, Father. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would go into that heart and where there has been a, a severing of relationship, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a reconciliation of the spirit of the living God to the spirit of each person who raised their hand, Father. And I pray in Jesus' name that born-again experience, Father, right now, that reconnection to the, the source of all things right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would descend on them, would baptize them right now, fresh and anew. Fill them with your spirit, God. Cover them with a jacket of love and acceptance and, and purpose, oh God. I pray that, that in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work on their hearts now as they are open to you. You are the one who does it. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do your healing, miraculous work. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fall on us. Spirit of the living God, fall on us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Anyone agree with that? Aren't you glad? Hey, so I encourage you. Um, I know July and August is still vacations and uh, kids are going for camp. We need to pray. So I want right now all the camp kids that are coming to get up here right now. We're going to pray before we leave for them. I'm glad we remembered that. But um, as the kids are coming up, I, I want you guys to know that even though you have vacations coming up and doing stuff, um, I want you to be here at church because we're going to talk about some good stuff. 
And if you can't make it, I want you to get online and listen to the stuff, the sermons, okay? Because I want you to be connected with us. And uh, Greg set up a cool new thing online that you can um, go in iTunes and search for our church and, uh, uh, what's it called? Apply, I'm thinking. Subscribe. Subscribe. Don't even need to search for the church. Go to our website, the icon for a podcast. Yes, thank you. So on our website, on the right-hand side, in the middle banner, yeah. click um, subscribe, right? It says subscribe. It's a little emblem, and you hover over that, and it'll take you right to iTunes, and you can automatically download the sermons right to your phone. It's awesome. It's easy. If you need, hold on. If we need, if if you need help, we'll talk after service. Ask Greg; he's the pro at it. We're, I'm so thankful for Greg for doing that. Thank you. But um, stay connected with those. I want you to hear all of this because it it'll change your perspective and help you. I believe. So hey, so right now these kids are going to camp. We got, is everyone one, two, three, four, no, five, six, seven? Way. We're missing a few. Okay. So if you know some of these kids, would you kind of, would you jump up and a few people come up here and let's lay hands on them. And the rest of you just agree with me where you're sitting and we're going to pray a blessing over them. Camp is an awesome thing. Old Oak Ranch. Um, God's moving up there. There's going to be almost 500 kids up there. 400 and something, I'm pretty sure. That's a lot of kids, but God, the spirit of God moves. I've been there. God is there. It's awesome. And so I'm so excited for these kids. So agree with me in prayer, and let's pray for our great experience with God up there for these uh, young people. Father God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would convict and draw into yourself, God, the hearts of these young people right now, God. I pray for safety on the way up and the way back from camp and at camp, Father, that you keep them safe. You would protect them from any injury, Lord. Protect them, Lord. Protect their hearts and their minds, God. And Lord, I pray that their spirits would be open to the Holy Ghost, to speak to them, to show them new things, God, to call them into ministry, some of them, God, to call them, Lord, to a closer walk with you, God, and Lord, and for them also just to have fun with each other, God, and to experience the joy of the Lord, God, with their friends and, and other people from other churches all around the, the, the state of California, Utah, Nevada, Father. Oh, Father, we just pray for your mighty Holy, Holy Spirit to work in them. Lord, do something awesome in their hearts. Heal brokenness. Set, set some of them free from things that they've been bondaged with, God. But God, we, we're expecting great things. We all in this building, we raise our expectation level right now. We are trusting in faith for breakthrough this week, God. We speak breakthrough for these kids up at camp, Lord. And we thank you for the leaders, Michelle and Logan, that are going. Anoint them and their words and their hearts, God, to, to lead and to, and to be with the kids this week, Father. Bless the speaker, the worship team, and everybody that's working up at the camp too, God. Just bless them with your presence, God. And we pray all this in the great name of Jesus. And everybody said that agreed, said amen. 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 All right. Thanks, guys. We love you. They're leaving tomorrow morning uh, for camp. So would you keep them in prayer this week? All right. You're dismissed. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.